Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is the Ten Plagues and the Spring Feast. Now, I'm going to give you a warning to start off, and that is don't quit watching this. Go all the way to the end. In 1991, Leslie and I went on a two-week archaeological tour with Ron Wyatt. We visited unusual places that confirmed the Bible. Noah's Ark, the crossing side of the Red Sea, the tomb of Jesus, and many other amazing places in the Middle East. I'm about to tell you and show you some pictures and some things, trust me, you have never seen before and you do not know this information. That is, unless you're on that tour. And I'm tempted also to tell you, I'm tempted because we like to just get, we, we like the meat. Don't give me any of the bread, we just want the meat. But I have to tell you, in this case, I, I've got to slow down. I've got to go into some of the crevices, not just touch the tops of the mountains. I've got to tell you the whole story. So I'm asking you, stick with me. I promise it's going to be worth it. I promise it is not going to be boring. So let's get started. First of all, this particular year is April 2020. And what I want to show you is the feast dates for the year 2020. At sundown, April the 8th at sundown is Passover. Then for the next three days is unleavened bread. That's the days we're supposed to get the leaven or the sin out of our life. Then at sundown on the 12th is first fruits. Now with that in mind, uh, and by the way, what I'm going to be covering is just the feasts. And we're not even going to cover all of them, just the spring feast today. So if you look at the bottom left corner right down here today, we're going to be talking about Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. So all the rest of it we're not going to even talk about Better talk about those other times. So we're going to start with Exodus 3.1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned. It burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. In other words, it was the glory of God causing it. I might add... I have seen pictures of that bush. I have touched pieces of that bush that Jim and Penny Caldwell, Leslie and I went to their home and spent an entire week with, weekend with them. They actually went to the bush. The bush is still alive. And you say, well, that was like 3,500 years ago. How can I, and by the way, it was a cedar bush. So you'd say, well, how could it live that long? It's because the glory of God was on it. So that's only part of the things I'm going to tell you, you have never seen or heard before. And some places I have pictures of these, but that was many years ago, back in 1991. I have no idea where the pictures are today, but I've been there. The Moses said, I will now turn aside and see the great sight why the bush is not burnt. When the glory of the Lord, and he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. He said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Now, he didn't understand at the time, but he was on Mount Sinai, and God was going to bring him back here in about, what, three or four months to bring the children of Israel here. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, 
and to bring them up out of the land, here it is, here it is, a very important part, into a good land. Now, that word good land, that's real important because other scriptures says that Israel is the best land on the planet. And if you've been to Israel, <laughs> you would say, well, where's the best land <laughs> on the planet? Because it's a bunch of rocks and dirt. It's desert. It's not very beautiful in most places. I, I love Israel. I love the Israelis. But there's a lot of places on the planet that are more beautiful to look at. So what makes it the best land? The answer is oil. Oil, natural gas and crude oil. But that's not our topic today. But it goes on to say a good land, flowing, a, a large, and to a land flowing with milk and honey. We believe that the milk represents white sand that Andy Sorrell hit back in 1973 and he found a light showing of natural gas in sand as white as table salt, he said. And then the yellow-colored, well, the, the honey is yellow-colored crude oil. And I just happened to have a piece of it or a little bottle of it on my desk, which I hadn't planned to show you, but I'll show you. This is what yellow-colored crude oil looks like. Now, if you're in my office, with a great deal of grunting, I might add, I would open this up and let you smell it because you would see it looks like honey. See, it looks like honey, okay? But it is not. It is yellow-colored crude oil. In this bottle, there's propane, butane, all kinds of gasoline, yes, diesel, uh, crude oil, all, all the, the elements of crude oil. This is the finest crude oil in the world. This particular uh, crude oil came from West Texas, from uh, Sprayberry area, and this has the high. This is the highest quality oil, yellow crude oil, because it has the most energy in it, and that's what God is going to give Israel. We believe when we go over there and drill, and when we hit oil in Israel. Now, anytime I say that, I have to give a disclaimer: we cannot guarantee that we're ever going to get the money drill for or hit oil in Israel. But when we hit oil in Israel, we believe it will look like that because it's the best land on the planet. Now, let's go on. So he didn't understand at the time milk, milk is represented by natural gas and honey is yellow crude oil. Exodus 3.10. Now come therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh and thou, thou mayest uh, bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Skipping down a couple of verses, and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. They're going to say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Now, you can imagine, they're going to say, Yeah, right. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken to my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. He said, Cast it on the ground. He cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And Moses said unto, and the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it up by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand once again. That they may believe that the Lord thy God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand to his bosom. When he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. Now, leprosy was a very dangerous disease, and they could not cure it in those days. Once you got leprosy, 
It's a disease that begins to eat you from the inside. Fingers begin to disappear. Parts of the bone, if you were to get it up here, just disappear. And your head just starts to cave in. Arms, legs, toes just disappear. They're eaten from the inside. It's very, very deadly and very cruel disease. And he said, now put thine hand back into the bosom again. He put his hand into the bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it came to pass that, he says, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, they will believe the voice at the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken to thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. Now understand, a time is coming that is going to beat these miracles sevenfold miracles. These are only just like onefold miracles. Greater than this is coming. Exodus 7, 8. And the Lord spake to Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show me a miracle for you. Then shalt thou say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded, and Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants and became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. In other words, the devil has power. Not as much power, but he has power. He can deduce some miracles. As a matter of fact, in the last days, he's going to use miracles to deceive a lot of people. But they cast down every man his rod and they became serpents, but... Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, and he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. Now to this day, the Nile is a filthy, dirty river. They have signs all over the Nile, all of them down the Nile. Do not get in the Nile. And our guide, when we went there, he said, even though we have signs, even though we're telling all of the children, do not get in the water, they still do. He said, what happens is there's a parasite in the water. It burrows through the skin, unbeknownst to the children, and then it grows up and it, it burrows into their kidneys. And he said, once they become a young man, their kidneys have been eaten up by this parasite. And he says they're useless. They don't die, but they can't work. So they just become useless beggars. And he said, we have beggars all over because it was children that went swimming in the Nile River. So there are still many curses in Israel. I told you, I can tell you a lot of things you've never heard before. I know, I normally talk about Bible prophecy, but I do know a lot of this archaeological stuff. Anyway, let's go on. And the fishes in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe the drink of the water of the river. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say to Aaron, Take thy rod, and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon the rivers, upon their ponds, and upon their ponds pools of water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. You see, Moses is going to be one of the two witnesses once again, and he's going to do these same curses upon the earth once again. 
And I've heard people say, oh, well, when the, the rivers turn to water, it's some kind of algae. It's no, not. And they don't just turn red. It's just like it says, they turn to blood. And there's another place where it says, for I will give them blood to drink for they are worthy. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and I will give them blood to drink because they are worthy. So, yeah, it literally turns to blood in the last days. Exodus 7.20. And Moses and Aaron did so. As the Lord commanded them, he lifted them up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river. In the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of the servants and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. What a frightening thing. Can you imagine seeing that? I mean, that would convince anybody. Didn't convince them because God had a plan. And the fish that was in the river died. The river stank and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river. And there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so. With their enchantments, they did the same thing. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. So these magicians of the devil had power. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. If they refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs, and the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly which shall go up and come into thine house and into thy bed bedchamber upon thy bed into the house of thy servants and upon the people and into thine ovens and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, upon thy people, and upon thy servants. He didn't believe him. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers and the ponds, and cause the frogs to come upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did so with their enchantments, and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord, that he may take away the frogs from me and from the people, and I will let the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When thou shall I treat when I shall I treat for thee, and for thy serpents, and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thine houses, that they may remain in the river only. Exodus eight sixteen the lies. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out thine rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did also, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth. And it became lice in men and in beasts. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon men and upon beasts. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was still hardened. And he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth unto the water, and saith unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, upon thy servants, upon thy people, into the houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. Now, let me take a second. I'll never forget this day. We were moving from Israel. We were heading over to going to Jordan to go and visit Petra. And 
there's a phrase they have in the Middle East. It's called hurry up and wait. <laughs> and so you got all your luggage and everything, so you have to hurry up. And you run over and you stand in line, and then you wait. Well, I'll never forget this. We were outside of the customs house waiting to get all of our passports cleared and wait, waiting for them to inspect our luggage for us to go into Jordan. So we were outside. We were sitting on our luggage. Some had a few places set. But I began noticing that the flies, I, I couldn't keep them out of my face. I was, I was sitting there. It was like windshield wipers. I was sitting <laughs> I was having to walk, doing it like this, constantly keep the flies because they didn't just fly around like American flies. They don't just bug you like American flies. They are dive bombers. They are vicious suckers. And they fly up in your mouth. They fly in your eyes. They fly up your nose. If you aren't like swiping them, just like windshield wipers constantly, that's what they do. They're in your eyes, the nose, and your mouth. And I began to look around at the other people. They were all doing the windshield wiper thing. I'd never seen flies like this before. So I called attention to it. And everybody noticed that, wow, I've never seen dive bomber flies, aggressive flies. And guess what I noticed? Every time I go into a Muslim nation, that's the way it is. Matter of fact, I said I never want to go back. I never want to go to a Muslim nation again because I believe they're still cursed today. Some of these curses are still in the land today, like flies. Terrible. And you wouldn't think flies, but I mean, it's unsanitary. And, and it's filthy. The, you, the restrooms are filthy. The door handles are filthy. The doors are filthy. The uh, Every place you touch in, in a Muslim country is just filthy. They're just, I'm sorry, just not clean people. I mean, I know God loves them and everything, but they're just, it's just, it's like a curse. And so the flies are all over this. And then the flies come and they land on your mouth. They crawl up your nose, on your eyes. Uh, and it, at night, I mean, mosquitoes, like dive bomb mosquitoes, same thing. It's terrible. Okay, so let's go on. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. Now, it reminds me of a story when Bree Keaton said that she heard the voice of God say, first pygmies, and then the next day she heard the audible voice of God say, go save the pygmies. So she says, okay, well, I've got to find out where the pygmies are. So long story short, she looked up on the internet to find out where the pygmies were. They're in the Congo, <laughs> the deepest, darkest parts of the jungle in the Congo, the worst place in the world for a human to go, especially a woman, especially a very light-skinned woman that's blonde with blue eyes going into a place where these are black people that have never even seen a white person. She said, I'll go there. The only thing I ask is that the mosquitoes don't bite me or anyone on my team. Sure enough, she said she would go over there and she said the mosquitoes would be swarming around her so heavy she could barely see through them. She looked over at her team, same thing. Not a one. And all the time she went visiting the pygmies and to Af Africa, all through the jungle and everything. Not one mosquito bite. She says, have you ever slept in the jungle? I said, no. She says, it's the loudest you've ever been in your life. He said, because you've got all of the monkeys, all of the, the wildlife, all of the birds, everything. And they're all chirping. They're making all of their noise at night. 
He said, she says, you, you can't sleep. You want to put earplugs in your, your ears, but it's so dangerous you dare not. She says, so it's very difficult to sleep in the jungle at night. It's extremely loud. It's, it's like louder than a car horn. She says, it's, it's unbelievably loud. So anyway, let's go on. Verse 22, I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end that thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. In other words, the swarms of flies were on the Egyptians or the sinners. They were not on the Christians, or in this case, the children of Israel. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord said so, and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses, and all the land of Egypt, and the land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of the flies. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if thou refuse to let them go, and will hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, upon thy horses, upon thy asses, upon thy camels, upon thy oxen, upon thy sheep, and there should be a very grievous moraine, in other words, a disease. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children's of Israel. And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take Aaron, take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven and the side of Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil, breaking forth with blains upon men and upon beasts throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven. And it became a boil, breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boil was upon the magicians and upon the Egyptians. Behold, tomorrow, now we're going to jump to Exodus 9.18. Tomorrow, about the same time, I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as has not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, even until now. Send therefore now, and gather thy cattle, and all that thou hast in the field. For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field, and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them, and they shall die. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not to the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. So Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord set thunder and hail, and the fire ran across, uh, along the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. Now, you know, we don't exactly understand how fire can run along the ground, but I remember my dad told a story. He was raised in Raton, New Mexico, out on a ranch, and he said one day there was a thunderstorm so bad that the lightning literally, like a ball of fire, rolled right in the front door and run rolled right through the house. 
They just happened to have the door open, I guess. But he said it was amazing. Never seen anything like it. Well, so that's apparently what he's talking about here. So there was hail, fire mingled with hail, very grievous, such as was there not none like it in the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. I think the message here is, you remember I told you that August the 8th, 2015, Saturday night, I said, Lord, I don't have anything to say for the sermon tomorrow morning. What do you want to say? And for the first time in my life, I heard God speak audibly when I was awake. I'd heard him in the night, but <laughs> when I was awake, and it said, this is the time of miracles. Then he downloaded it in my heart is as the judgment hits, this is judgment. As the judgment hits, so will my miracles. Miracles like no one has seen, going all the way back to Adam. In other words, miracles greater than what we're talking about here. Miracles like no one has seen going back to Adam. And you tell them that I will never leave them nor forsake them. And I'm going to meet the devil inch for inch, pound for pound, step for step. Everything does. I'm going to meet the devil. This is only a minor thing compared to what this generation is about to see. We're about to see the greatest miracles in history. Jeremiah 16, 19 through 21 says, O Lord, my, my refuge and my strength in the day of affliction. The Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit, and have made unto themselves gods that are not gods. Therefore, this once, I will cause them to know. I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is Jehovah. Meaning, this one time, there's going to be a miracle revival, a time, a brief time, when God is going to show up to kick the devil all around, and he's going to do it with miracles greater than these. Exodus 10.1 And the Lord said unto Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might show these my signs before him, that thou mayest tell in the years of thy son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs, which I have done among them, that they may know how I am the Lord. And Moses and Aaron came unto Pharaoh. Now hang on just a second. See, that's what the Lord's doing. This last seven years, this tribulation, it's the greatest test. It's the greatest battle. It's the culminating of 6,000 years since creation. And yes, the devil is going to come forth. And God has revealed the plans of the devil. But what he has not told us is what he is going to do. And he is going to show up bigger and better and stronger because he's going to prove to the world that he is God, just like he's doing here. And Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow will I bring locusts into thy coast. And they shall cover the face of the earth, that one cannot be able to see the earth. And they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remaineth unto you from the hail, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. And they shall fill the houses and the houses of thy servants and the houses of the Egyptians, which neither thy fathers nor the fathers' fathers have seen. 
since the day that they were upon the earth and upon this day. And he turned himself and went out from Pharaoh. And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt. And the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought locusts. And the locusts went up above all the land of Egypt and rested in all the coasts of Egypt. Very grievous. Very grievous were they before him, were no such locusts as they, neither after them shall be such. For they covered the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they did not eat every herb, and they did eat every herb of the land. And all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left, there remained not any green thing in the trees or in the herbs of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord your God, that he may take away from me this death only. And when he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord turned a mighty strong west wind and took away the locusts, and cast them into the Red Sea, there remained not one locust in all the coasts of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Now, hang on, let's talk about this a second. If you go back into Genesis, before God created anything, it says there was darkness on the face of the earth. That was when there was only eternity, and there was no such thing as time. And then first it says he moved upon the face of the waters. I think what he did is gather the waters from the surrounding planets all onto the planet Earth. And then he said, let there be light. And that was the starting of time. Then you go to the end when it says, and the heaven departed like a scroll. That is actually time entering, excuse me, that's eternity entering back into time. When the heaven rolls back like a scroll. But in this case, I believe what happened was eternity came down and covered the whole place. In other words, the presence of God, that eternity, came into the area. And that says that the darkness was so strong it could be felt. I believe that that's the eternity invading the time. It didn't stop the time, but it invaded the time. Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt. Three days. I think that's interesting. Jesus is in the, in the in the grave for three days and three nights. And now we hear that they're planning three days of darkness. And guess when they're planning it? Hmm. During the days of unleavened bread, which is the same days that Jesus spent three days of darkness in the heart of the earth. See, prophecies repeat. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. They didn't even get out of bed for three days. It was so dark, they couldn't see. It was the darkness they felt, just amazing. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Exodus 11.1 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh, and upon Egypt, and afterwards he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now unto the ears of the people, and let every man borrow his neighbor, and that every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, 
The man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Now, I believe that Proverbs thirteen twenty two, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just, is about to be fulfilled. And if it is fulfilled in the year 2020, then it is my belief that the highest probability that that will be fulfilled will be the week of Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. And of those three feasts, this is saying it would happen the evening of Passover. And in 2020, and in the United States, Passover would be starting at sundown on April the 8th. So, if there's going to be a wealth transfer, if there's going to be a Proverbs 13:22 event this year, the highest probability would be the evening after sundown of April the 8th. But that's no sign that that's going to happen then. I'm just saying if they were to follow the patterns of the feasts, that's when it would happen because that's when it happened here. Now let's go on. Verse 4. Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out of the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon the throne, even to the firstborn of the maidservant, that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beasts. Now, it is my suspicion that if the 163,469 sealed indictments, if they are fulfilled in year 2020, the highest likelihood that it would start would be this night, as in the evening, just like Jesus was arrested in the night by soldiers, it would be the most likely time for these evil people to be arrested by soldiers starting in the night sometime after sundown on April the 8th of 2020. Now, just a guess. I don't have any inside information. Nobody slipped me any information. I'm just looking at what the Bible says. Verse 6. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall like it be any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue, against man or beast, that you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these thine servants shall come down unto me, and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee, and after that will I go. I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying to the tenth, ba- tenth day of this month, that they shall take them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. In other words, it's a shadow of the Lamb of God coming. It's a picture. It's a shadow picture. It's a foretelling. And of course, Jesus was sacrificed the afternoon just before Passover because he is the Lamb of God. He is our Passover to wash our sins away. This one was a temporary. But Jesus, when he washes the sins away, they're as far as the east is from the west. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. And Jesus was without sin, without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. Now, why? Why do they have to keep the the sheep or the goat in their house? Why do they have to live with it? Because they wanted, God wanted them to fall in love with it. Because upon that goat were their sins placed. And then this innocent goat, this innocent sheep, 
Viz killed. He wanted them to feel some feelings for this animal that they were then killing to wash away or to roll back their sins. Verse 7. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Now, as I've told you, about a week ago, my wife and I went through our whole house. We anointed with olive oil both of the side posts and the top posts of all of the windows, all of the doors, all of the plumbing, all of the electrical, our garage doors, every entrance and every exit to our house. And we anointed it saying, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. The Lord put your angels round about. Protect us from all harm and evil. Why? Because according to the dream she had a couple of days ago, Leslie, it's saying that if we do not pray some really bad things, I believe it's probably the suitcase nukes, have the highest probability if we don't pray. And so I've called, I don't know, I guess there's 5,000 people that were asking to fast and pray. And in that kind of a ballpark, that's how many people responded to the email I sent out. We're asking them to fast and pray that this, this Iran, Iraq, and possibly Cuba does not attack and the suitcase nukes do not go off. And if they do, that God's people, once again, are supernaturally protected. Exodus 12, 8. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. With bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. He shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. So when we have lamb tomorrow in our house, we will see to it that all of it is eaten. And if it's not eaten... We are to burn it. And that which remaineth until the morning, you shall burn with fire. Thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Why eat it in haste? Because after this meal, they were about to be sent out. In other words, don't pull off your clothes. Don't get all comfortable because you folks aren't staying there. For I'll pass through the land of Egypt this night. will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment, I am the Lord. And the blood should be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. I believe that there's a high probability these suitcase nukes are about to go off, and that's the reason Leslie was given the dream, warning everybody, you better be praying, you better be maybe even fasting but definitely anoint your house with oil and maybe even yourself too. And this is the day be unto you for a memorial. You should keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You should keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Now, leaven is a sign of sin. So what he's saying is get the sin out. And see, that's right now. This is, brothers and sisters, we've got to get the sin out. Leaven out of your houses for whosoever eateth leavened bread. From the first day, even unto the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. In other words, they're not part of Israel. So the way we would say that today is they're not part of the kingdom. Yeah. I don't even like saying that. You shall observe the feast of the unleavened bread. For in this same day have I brought your, in your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, in other words, sundown, you shall eat unleavened bread until one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. 
whether he be a stranger or born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened, in all your habitations shall you eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families, and kill the Passover. You shall take a bunch of hyssop. Now, hyssop is a weed that grows in Israel, but it cleans like a white tornado. Uh, Just eating a little hyssop, and you will have the biggest runs you have had in your life. It is a cleaning element, and that's why I believe that they were directed to use hyssop, because it's a cleaner. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you should go out of the door of his house until the, the morning. I think it's interesting. This this may be the last time, or maybe since these days, when a whole nation, as a matter of fact, it's almost a whole world, is told, don't go out of the houses. Right now we're told, don't go out of your house, don't go to work. Interesting how it's kind of repeating, isn't it? For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and upon the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And it may very well be that this big thing that's coming, and it may be the suitcase nukes, I do not know for certain if it is, but if it is, and if those people have the blood on the doorpost of their house, and I even say anointed their house, and if they're partaking in the Passover, I believe that we're going to be protected. Exodus twelve twenty nine, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote the firstborn of the land of Egypt, the firstborn of Pharaoh, and who sat on his throne under the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. And the Pharaoh rose up in the night. He and his servants and all the Egyptians, there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. He called Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up, get you forth. See, that's the reason he told them, stay dressed. Okay, you're, you're going someplace after this meal. Go forth among the people. Both ye and the children of Israel, go and serve the Lord as ye have said. And take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened. Now this is important. In other words, it's a picture of, look, you're heading to the Red Sea. You're about to have to do a miracle. You're about to have to walk through the, 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 the Red Sea on dry, dry ground. And if you want that miracle, you've got to get the sin out. Just like today. If we want God's protection in this whatever, this coronavirus or whatever it is that's this big thing that's coming, we got to get the sin out. We have to make certain that we have the blood of Jesus on our doorposts of our heart, our house. Got to get ready. And the people took their dough before it was leavened and their kneading cross being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. That's the reason I believe that if there's going to be a wealth transfer, Proverbs uh, 13.22, if it's going to happen, and if it's going to happen this year, this would be the highest probability Passover evening. And the mixed multitude went up also with them in flocks and herds, even very much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes of dough, which they brought forth out of the Egypt, for it was not leavened. Because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry, neither had they prepared themselves any victuals. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, 
that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. Now, if you look at the yellow arrow up here, in other words, they were here in Sukkoth, if you're looking at my, my mouse there. So they were in Sukkoth. And you would think if they're going to the promised land, they would head up this way toward Israel. It's a shorter way. But they weren't ready to go to Israel yet. They still had to drown the Egyptians, and they still had to learn a whole lot of things down here in Saudi Arabia. And so instead, they, he brought them south. Now, how he brought them through this area is actually very interesting. I'll show you a map on that in a second. So he said, when Pharaoh let the people go, God let them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. In other words, it was closer. For God said, lest peradventure the people, when the people repent, and they see war, that they return to Egypt. Instead, God led the people down through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And they took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in the pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took away the pillar of the cloud by day, he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. For Pharaoh will save the children of Israel. They are entangled in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. Now, this is actually a picture looking from the land side out towards the Red Sea. And this is where Ron Wyatt said that they went down. He said, now, when you got some three million men, and that's not including their wives, which means if they have more than one wife, not including their wives, not including their children or their cattle. He said, and when they're walking that big uh, number through the desert, there's not a very wide path. So every time they had to widen the path, he said, so they would have to move these boulders out of the way. And he said, as you walk down through there, you can see where they walked because all of the boulders were rolled to the side. Now, if it's just a small group of people, you don't need much uh, room. But when you got 3 million people coming through there, they have to widen the road, so to speak. So all of the boulders are rolled to the side. Now, they go down these wadis. Now, this particular wadis are not too bad. But I've been some of the wadis over there in the Middle East, and they're almost like straight up and down. In other words, you go down into that wadi, you cannot crawl out up the mountain on either side. You are stuck, and that's what they were. They were stuck. Now, they're going down to the Red Sea. So they left Sukkot, three days' journey, they went down to sacrifice uh, down here. So here, this is where they crossed over the Gulf of what we call Aqaba today. For Pharaoh said to the children, they are entangled in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. In other words, he thought that they had got themselves stuck on this little island out there, and they couldn't get away from him. So he says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh, upon his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. See, that's what he's doing in these last days. He's going to bring out sevenfold miracles so that the world may know that he is the Lord. That they may know I am the Lord, and they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt, and the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we've let Israel go from serving us? So he took six hundred chosen chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt. And the Lord hardened the heart of Egypt, or Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. Now, as you're looking at this, this is an actual photo, a satellite photo, where they left up here 
from Sukkot, and you can see where they had to travel down these narrow canyons. They had to move all of these big boulders down out of the way. So then when they got down to cross over the Red Sea, this is what is called Nueva Beach. And again, Leslie and I have been there. And you can see, if you were to zoom in close on a satellite photo, as I have, there's a business or two down there, but it's small. So when you're talking three million people, and that's just the men, so you're probably talking the ballpark of 10 million people. That's a lot out there on that little beach. Okay, so they really are. They're stuck, except God. Now, they've got to cross over here. If you look at this other picture up here, there's actually kind of an underwater land bridge. Now, the water is still all water there. But when the east wind came and hit that particular area where the water wasn't as deep, and it blew all night long, as the scripture is about to say, it caused an ice wall on both sides, and they were able to walk through this underwater land bridge into the promised land. Here's another picture of it. You can see where there's an underwater land bridge, but it's still covered by water, but the water wasn't as deep. Here's where they left uh, Passover, or they left Sukkot right up in here. They went down, crossed over the Red Sea here, and they're going up to what is called Jabal el-Laws, or the Mountain of Laws. In other words, that's where Moses was given the Ten Commandments. Hmm. But the Egyptians pursued them and overtook them, the camping by the sea beside Piharoth, before Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, and, the, and, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, thou hast taken us away to die in the wilderness. Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the very word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should come out here and die in the wilderness? Now, what you're looking at is a picture that Ron Wyatt took underneath the Red Sea. This is a four-spoke, golden-covered chariot wheel. Now, in Egypt, because of all the seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, all of the wealth of the whole area was brought into Egypt. So it was very, very wealthy. They had all the gold, so much gold that they could cover their chariot wheels with it. If you look down here, here's another golden-covered chariot. And if you look over here to the side, you can see that this particular one is a six-spoked wheel. But other places in the uh, the museums in Egypt, they have four-spoked chariot wheels, just like the one he found here and here. Exodus fourteen thirteen, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show unto you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. And lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go forth on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow. And I will give me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon his host, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, which have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. Now, as you recall, the days of Moses, see the word Moses means drawn out. 
As you recall, the commandment came forth that all of the children, two years under, were supposed to be tossed into the Nile River. Well, this is the case where Pharaoh and all of his people got tossed into the Red Sea. So God made the whole thing even. Here's a picture of what it looks like when they came down here. This is where they would come through the wadi. This is the little beach there at Nueva, where over 3 million people, you know, all the men, all their wives, were all out here on this entrance. Here's another picture. Again, you can't see this most places, but again, Leslie and I have been there. We've been to the beach there at the entrance to the Red Sea. Um, we've also seen a pillar there that is off on this beach on the, the side where they came out of the water. We've been there. Exodus fourteen twenty one. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong wind all that night, made the sea a dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went through the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall, in other words, ice, ice walls, the walls under them under the right and under the left, and the Egyptians pursued, and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked under the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians. He took off their chariot wheels, that they drave them heavenly. In other words, he slowed them down by removing all of the chariot wheels, so the chariot was having to be drugged by the horses. <laughs> Slows them down. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, and they remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right and on the left. So Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. In other words, what Ron White said is that there was an east wind, meaning the, the, the wind came out of the east. Okay, so the east would be on the Saudi Arabia side. And it blew down, he said, it blew just like kind of a V out over towards the Egyptian side. So when they entered, they entered in on the wide side. In other words, the wall was wider over there. And then when they exited, the wall was narrow on the Saudi Arabia side, the exit side. But what happened was the children of Israel made it through, and then the Egyptians came through with their chariots and all their 600 chariots and all their horsemen and everything. And so as they entered into that area, the water, the wall, began to crack behind them. That was the weakest wall. The strongest wall would have been on the entrance side because it got the heaviest air, the east wind, that froze the walls. A heavy east wind turned the walls into ice. So that wall began to crack. And so the water began to tumble and tumble. And so when it hits the Egyptians, same thing, it just continued to tumble. And so it washed them all the way upon the Saudi Arabia side. It washed almost all of them and their chariots, all of their uh, swords, their arrows, their bows, all of the weapons that they had. And all of a sudden, not only the Egyptians dead washed out there, but also all of their weapons. So now the children of Israel that had been slaves 
not only had gold and silver and raiment great abundance, but now they just had all of the greatest weapons of the greatest army on earth handed over to them. Why? Because they're about to go in and take over the land in Egypt or in Israel. Kind of interesting, huh? Told you I'd tell you some things you didn't know. So here's a summary. We, American Christians, we should keep the feasts, but we keep them not because we have to. We keep them because we love Christ, not because we have to, not for salvation. No one is going to go to heaven because they keep the feasts. It's a picture of things to come. The purpose of the feast, I learned when I discovered the, or when God showed me the secret door, that the purpose of the feasts is actually to show Jesus to the Jews. But the Passover should be a party. It's a God-called party. So we would be glad to celebrate it with you. Remember, though, no one goes to heaven because they keep the feasts. No one. What we're talking about here, if you look at the bottom left, this is just the area that we talked about today, just Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, and all of this is a pattern that plays out in the very last days, the last seven months. Much of this repeats again. So I'd recommend you consider getting my book, and I'll ask you two questions. What would you do if you had to tell someone the most important thing in the world that you knew? They wouldn't believe you. Would you tell them? Well, I believe you watched this far. You would probably tell them. But then that brings us to the second question. What is the most important thing in the world? Well, the most important thing to do is to accept Jesus. But the most important thing not to do is do not take the mark of the beast. Because those people that take the mark of the beast, they do not get soul death. And I'm going to go into all the details today. But those people that do not that take the mark of the beast, they do not get soul death, but they're tormented in the fire and brimstone for all eternity, no hope to escape. By the time everything, all the rewards are all handed out, there's only three groups of people. Those people whose name is in the book of life who live forever. Those people who's not in the book of life tossed into the lake of fire, which is soul death. The third group of those people that worship the beast, his image, receive his mark, and the name of his number, number of his name, they are tossed into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Revelation 14, 9 says, The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast or his image or whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Meaning, they don't get out of it. So how do you tell them? In today's modern society, how do you talk to someone about this? Well, that's where my book comes in handy. I suggest you get my book, Miss the Mark. It's designed to be handed to anyone, even if they're not a Christian, even if they don't know anything about it, even if they have another God. Give them the book, ask them the two questions, and then give them the book, they'll probably read it. If they read the book, they will never take the mark of the beast. One for 20, but don't do that. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of 10. One set of 10 for 32 sets, 45, four sets for $70. We do it that way because we want you to give them away. Back in 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. Just going to be a project. Didn't think anything special was going to happen. But to my surprise, I began to get revelations. I got 30 revelations, two visions, and an audible voice. One of the visions showed me the book of the Torah and the book of Revelation with a time tunnel between them. And in a blink of an eye, I was made to know that the word first fruits is a secret door linking the feasts of Leviticus 23 to the prophecies of Revelation. See, Revelation is not written chronologically. A lot of arguments about how it all fits together. 
But with this book, it's the key to putting the prophecies of of Revelation in correct chronological order. I'm going to say that with this book, for the first time, you can understand how Revelation properly is laid out and how it's fulfilled. Now, I don't think I'm anything special. I don't think that God gave me the book. I think that God gave you the book. Why? Because you're about to be a tribulation saint. I believe we're about to go into the tribulation. You're about to have to answer a lot of questions about from people that are scared little rabbits, thought they was going to go into a pre-trib rapture, wind up, find themselves in the tribulation, and they have lots of questions. And he's going to need some servants answering those questions. This is the book. One for 20, don't do that either. This one's offered in shrink wrap sets of five. Five for 30, 10 for 55, case of 60 for $250. Both books available at prophecyclub.com. I also suggest you get signed up for our crusade, July 29 to August 2, 2020. The whole point of this is basically to do two things, to get you prepared for the tribulation. One is I'm going to anoint you with revelation oil so you can receive the revelation anointing, the spirit of the revelations I received when I memorized the book of Revelation, so you can teach Bible prophecy. Secondly, Leslie is going to anoint you with honor oil. She's going to pray that you receive a prophetic gifting so you can have more dreams, visions, angel visits, and so you can walk in sevenfold miracles and serve the Lord and serve his people. August 20, or July 29 to August 2, you go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. I also recommend that you get the meal package. So I suggest you download the Prophecy Club app. That's from the, the App Store. Order Miss the Mark, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. The books are at prophecyclub.com or sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. And when you go there, get the meal package. Get the meal package. Get the meal package. You're going to love it. In the meantime, ask Jesus into your heart, and I will see you in heaven.